Hey, let me interrupt the current podcast you're listening to so we can tell you about Musically Ignorant, hosted by me, Jason, and my pal, Lackey. Hi, I'm Lackey. We discuss all kinds of music from mainstream pop acts like Ben Folds and R.E.M. And very obscure acts like Cabaret Voltaire and Black Moth, Moth Super Rainbow. I think you just made those names up. I most certainly did not. Well, I guess that's why we named the show Musically Ignorant. Indeed, you rapscallion! Now, before Lackey turns too much into a 19th century professor, you should check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, or our home website, rabbitholepodcast.com. Jason, have you ever heard of this Lizzo person that's trending on Twitter? Oh, man, I got my work cut out for me. All of the shows here at Rabbit Hole Podcast are sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com slash rabbitholepod, you get to try it free for 30 days. Download any audiobook, original show, or podcast you want. After 30 days, you pay just $14.99 a month and get access to more audiobooks, original shows, and podcasts. Cancel anytime, and if you do, you get to keep anything you've downloaded, so it's literally risk-free. audibletrial.com slash rabbitholepod. Use that link. Help us out, and you support the show. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com slash rabbitholepods. For as low as $3 a month, you get early access to episodes and all kinds of great bonus content. Patreon.com slash rabbitholepods. everybody welcome back to pictures and conversations a rabbit hole podcast book club we took last month off so we hope you've missed us as much as we missed you but we are back in this month of july and we are talking about a crime novel from elmore leonard this is header's pick this week this week this month (laughs) and uh you know we've got some really great conversations to have for you Elmore Leonard, initially known for his Westerns, started writing back in the 50s. His earliest works include The Tall T, Ombre, and 310 to Yuma. Five of those Western novels adapted into films. Notably, 310 to Yuma has been adapted twice. Once in 1957, starring Glenn Ford and Van Heflin, and more recently in 2007, starring Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. In the 60s, though, Leonard decided to turn to crime fiction, and he focused on characters and more realistic dialogue, stuff we're going to talk about today. His works continued to find their way to the screen, including 1995's Get Shorty, starring John Travolta, 1997's Jackie Brown, starring Pam Greer, and the acclaimed TV series Justified. Today, we're talking about Leonard's 1996 novel, Out of Sight, which, yes, was adapted into a film starring George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez in 1998. In Out of Sight, bank robber Jack Foley breaks out of prison and heads to the getaway car, just as U.S. Marshal Karen Sisko gets in his way. Foley decides on the spot to bring her with them and makes his pal Buddy drive her car as Foley joins Sisko in the trunk. When Foley and Buddy rendezvous with their second car, though, Cisco escapes, and her hunt for Foley is just beginning. 
So today joining me, our rabbit hole podcasting friends, today we have Dan Lackey with us. How are you, sir? I, I was muted. I, I am doing well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good to see you on this Sunday morning. Yep. The uh, backer you. for this book, Heather, how are you, my friend? I'm full of sparkles and magic and pasta. Oh, I love that. I love that. Morgan, how's it going? It's going well. It's nice to be back together, friend. Yes, I missed everyone. And finally, definitely not least, Nick. Nick, how are you this Sunday morning? I'm good. I'm here. Awesome. We are very glad to have everyone. All right, Heather, so let's start with you. You have been on a tear of reading Elmore Leonard novels lately. Is that correct? It is. It is, which was where I was inspired here. Tell us about that. What made you go to Leonard and why are we reading this book today? Well, I I started with his shows and movies. Get Shorty is my favorite comedy of all time. Oh. Maybe tied with Three Amigos, but they live ah. in my, my happy heart space forever together. Um, I love I love Get Shorty. The dialogue in it is fantastic. Um, you know, you mentioned a few other things. Uh, 310 Yuma, that's that's one of the only Westerns of his I've read. I'm not a big Western fan, never have been. I've only started kind of dabbling there in the last maybe five years or so because Mike loves Westerns. So so I've, I've, I've expanded my horizons a bit and found some I love. But 310 Yuma was always <laughs> one that I just was like, this is amazing. The Russell Crowe version is <sighs> such a good villain. So so there were those and I'd seen out of sight. And even when I'm reading the book, I, I still see George Clooney and Karen oh, Cisco yeah. as Jennifer Lopez, despite the fact that they do not look like that in the novel. Uh, and then obvi- the most obvious one is, is Raylan Givens and, you know, Justified, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's brilliant, brilliant. So I, I decided I'm going to go back. The only novel of his I had ever read was 310 Yuma and Get Shorty. And I started with all the Raylan ones. They're really good. They're nice. They're they're interesting. I'm seeing where a lot of the inspiration for the show they continue to take from the books. Um, I also I, I do have to say I, I I kind of like usually his visual adaptations better than the actual books, which is rare. Um, but the inspiration is is great and out of sight. Never read it. Loved the movie, but haven't watched it in 15 years. So I thought, oh, I'll submit this one. I think I kept submitting Get Shorty. <laughs> <laughs> it did come up quite a few times <laughs> because I haven't read it in so long, but I wanted right. to reread it. Um, so I thought I'll I'll do out of sight and see see what happens. I didn't expect it to win at all, and so now here here we are. And now I have some ideas, and I understand a little bit more about I think I think Elmore Leonard himself a little bit more after reading so much over the last six months. Very cool. Has anyone else read any Elmore Leonard? He's totally new to me. Like I've heard of him, but I've never read him. Yeah, this is oh, my yeah. first. Same thing. My first. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So he's someone I've always wanted to read, but had never gotten around to. I'm really okay with this being my last. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> really? I'm coming in hot this morning. No. I just want to warn everyone. I'm oh, I can't wait about this book. The interesting point here, as I was looking, is I, I mean, I've never read any Elmore Leonard, and I discovered I've never seen any of these movies. So any of you've them. Been I, hadn't even, I hadn't even heard of them, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> I liked the movies that are based on his uh work this is my first of his books but i like get shorty i like 310 to yuma i like you know all these other ones that he's done i'm sure i've seen out of sight like 20 years ago but (laughs) i don't i don't remember it um 
But yeah, no, I like the stories, I guess, uh, when they're visually presented. Yeah, I think they I think they translate much, much better to film and to TV. I really, really do. With my limited knowledge, very limited, because this is the only book of his I've read. And like I said, I haven't seen his stuff. I did watch uh, two episodes of Justified recently because I was like, everyone says the show is so great. Let me watch a couple episodes. And it was cool. I do enjoy it. I did enjoyed what I saw. But um, I've never seen Jackie Brown. I've meant to see Out of Sight a bajillion times, never have gotten to it. Uh, I've never seen Get Short. I've never seen any of them. Um, And so I think it's interesting, but I completely agree that these are probably better movies than they are books. Um, So let's go around the horn and let's let's check in with people. We know Morgan disliked it. Um, I'm going to put myself in Morgan's camp. I I struggled with the writing style a lot. Um, I think we'll get into that a little bit more. Nick, what did you think? Um, I want to sidebar real quick. You said the Russell Crowe version, I counter and say the Ben Foster version. Yeah, fair enough. Touché. <laughs> Touché. Um, well, anything Ben Foster is in is Ben Foster's so movie. Good. Yeah. It doesn't matter how small his role is, it becomes Ben Foster's movie. I was just um, talking about Hostage with uh, Movie Rob last oh, week. Oh, yeah. Oh. Hostage is good. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I did not like it either um i uh i thought it was very boring nothing really happened uh a lot of the conversations are just or a lot of the descriptions of what's going on or conversations or whatever it's just people talking about this is how i got or someone else got caught in the past like and sent to prison or um or it's people eating or changing (laughs) clothes and clothes being a very big part of yeah the the descriptions or just arguing with people about nothing um i made a joke description of uh it's a book where nothing happens except talking about the past and a dangerous guy and girl are obsessed with each other for no reason it's twilight (laughs) oh no It's not, it's not, not, not a child. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yes, she's also uh, my, my been played twice by Carla um, Gugino. 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 Yeah, yeah. She was played. She did. She did a stint on Justified as her and did a little little cameo. Oh, and, that's kind uh, of fun. She, yeah, and then she had her own show called Karen Cisco, which I actually haven't seen and don't know anything about, and I would have watched if I knew it was on. But I think it was on for like four seasons. It was on that long. That's impressive. Yeah. In like 2007 to like 2012 or something. And Yugino, I can't say her name. She's very I know. Dark. That's why I paused. I'm like, I'm going to fuck it up. I always fuck it up. <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now. Um, go ahead, Lackey. What Gugino. do you got for me? Gugino, I was going to say my counter, my counter on Kristen Stewart is personal shopper. She's a Yeah, much that's what everyone actress. says, but I've seen so many fucking movies with her in it that I, 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 I agree with you that there may be a flash in the pan. But everything else I've seen of hers, I she shows up and I get bored. I liked Adventureland. I okay, love Adventureland. I hate her in it. <laughs> this is where the bibliophile in the group says, this is a book podcast, y'all. Can we please stop talking about actors and TV shows? No. All right, anyway. <laughs> we uh, keep getting books that are better movies. That's, that's not untrue. Lackey, what do you think on Out of Sight? I was very mixed on it. I don't think I disliked it as much as everybody else did. Um, I think the main thing about this is I did not find the character of Jack as fascinating and amazing as Elmore Leonard clearly did. Yes. 
I agree uh, with you on that. I, 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 I didn't find him to be a particularly... I didn't find Karen and Jack to be particularly compelling, and I felt that this sort of will-they-won't-they they, between the two of them, it felt very... I, I don't know. I'm not a person who is into stories about romance or romantic relationships, and... Was this romance, though? I don't know what this was. This I, I didn't. <laughs> I second that. I, I didn't find. I didn't find that, that that they had. They were written with unbearable sexual tension, and it was just. It was just a constant thing of I don't understand why we're so obsessed with yeah. these two characters getting mm -hmm. it, eventually getting it on. I, I mean, admittedly, a lot of this is me, um, because I, I've even said, you know, in in my when I watch shows. You know, the least the thing that I'm least invested in is which characters are going to get together, which became maddening in the final seasons of Lost. But yeah. never mind that. Um, Certainly a it, lot of TV shows do that. Will they or won't they trope? Too. Yeah, it's really, really. I, you know, I don't it's why, think it's I why say, I, I stopped watching it, evil. So <laughs> um, but it was just I, I just didn't find that particular aspect of the, 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 the story all that interesting. Um, I liked the dialogue and about halfway through the book, when we, when, when they, we actually start getting into the caper, I liked that a lot. What did you but, like about it? Um, I like caper stories. Me too. I like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the cliche, but I like stuff like, um, you know, Ocean's Eleven and, mm -hmm. and Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. That and, oh, that's a it's great one. Heist yeah. and I like heist and caper stories in general. And I found I can't remember their names, but the characters that were actually when they go up to Detroit and they hook up with the one guy who used to be yeah. a boxer, Maurice. Um, Maurice. When they hook up with him, um, and and things start going to shit, um, like in Fiasco, um, <laughs> plug that was plug 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 that i was actually really invested in but it took it was a little bit of a slog for me getting to that point fair enough yeah mm -hmm. um did i get everybody everybody talk no i haven't said oh, anything Heather has a, oh god of and course. morgan hasn't heather, either go for, oh that's <laughs> no, right that i didn't I let like morgan it. and heather get into it all right so uh heather do you want to go first or should we let should we unleash morgan let, let everybody else say how much they hated it first, and I'll say why I liked it. Go ahead, Morgan. Title. Let it loose, Morgan. I am exhausted by the idea of racism for the sake of racism. If you are not going to address why those issues are complex, I'm bored. Not only am I bored, but I've already tuned out the story. If you drop slurs two pages into the book for the sake of it, I'm done. I've tapped out. Um, I could not tell you how many times I rolled my eyes at the racism for the sake of racism. You are a white man from West Bloomfield. Get the fuck over yourself. Um, I did not love the, I actually thought he did Detroit a really intense disservice by plugging so many Detroit things that he actually like, it took me out of the story often. Over Detroit? Like, I'm turning. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. He got it all very accurate and I'm sure he made an intense point to do so but you are taking me out of the story by telling me that he turned left on Livernoy at this place. Like, I don't 
if it was any other story in any other city, you wouldn't have told me that. And I don't care. Um, there were the will they won't they part. Honestly, Lackey, I was with you of like, this is just some weird trauma bonding shit going on. And I like, like don't care. Like she's just bad at her job is what I kept coming back to. Of uh -huh. like, you're honestly just bad at your job. Um, and then towards the end, it just genuinely felt like violence for the sake of it. Um, particularly the rape scenes felt like violence for the sake of it. It had absolutely nothing to, like it didn't uh, push the plot along. It didn't push the story along. It just felt gratuitous to me. Those are the highlights of why I didn't like them. Those are, some, those are some big highlights. I'm with you. Like it's, it's interesting because I started relying very heavily on my skimming skills. Yeah. Um, just to kind of get through it. I I found the characters very interesting, sort of as standalones, but together mm -hmm. they all kind of seemed like little puzzle pieces that were just kind of plunked there. Mm -hmm. Um I I described it and and the names I'm gonna cite, I don't necessarily put him at this. Um, it felt like Aaron Sorkin meets Tom Stoppard. I wanted to mm -hmm. see a performance of this. It seemed like, because there's a very definitive cadence to the dialogue and the way people speak. Um, and it's like when I teach Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead to my seniors, where it's all well and good to read it, but you need to hear that rapid fire delivery in order for the comedy to really land. And so I kept finding those moments and it was bothering me that I was just reading it on a page because it wasn't coming across. At the same time, I feel like he's got this bleak realism kind of style to him where it's just like there's nothing flowery to it. There's no style to it. It's just here. And that is his style. I think I just don't like his style. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said uh, early on, Heather, I I'm with you like this. I haven't seen Out of Sight yet. I actually debated whether or not I should watch it before we came in and I decided not to. Um I, I have a feeling the movie is going to far surpass this. And I'll tell you, absolutely hear George Clooney in these words over yes. and over and over and over again. Not. I mean, my God. Yes. Talk oh, about you said George casting. Clooney and I was like, what? Oh, oh yes. so perfect. It's oh, perfect. I, I mean, and my, they are so good. My. You haven't seen the movie, so no. No. You watch it. And then no, I cannot picture it. George Clooney or Jennifer Lopez. As it's very, it, 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 it's, it's like, what my experience has been with most of his books that I've read so far, yeah. the movies are better than the books. It gets translated much better when you have great performance artists and directors behind it and yeah. they see it. It reads his books. And I think you were kind of getting to it. He calls himself a minimalist when it comes to it. Um, but they read more like a screenplay in some yes, ways. Yes, they do. They read, they definitely read like that to me, which is why it's kind of an easy read for me. And I can imagine all of this and also some of it I've seen. So I have a cheat there also. And I admit I'm entirely influenced by that. And a part of the reason why this was easier for me to read too was because I did see Clooney as Foley, which made him so much more oh, charming. Entirely. Um, so interestingly enough, so I finished reading the book this past Thursday. On Friday, um, a pal in a different group posted um, like a meme and it's basically 10 rules for writing by Elmore Leonard. Oh, I've now, read that. Okay. I don't follow any of them as a writer. I <laughs> don't like, know. We are from two different worlds. <laughs> oh, for sure. 
I don't know if these are authentically from him or if this is someone parodying his writing. But number one, never open a book with weather. So that is obviously a, a, a stab at, you know, the, the cheesy, it was a dark and stormy night kind of line. Two, avoid prologues. Three, and this is the one that drove me batty even before I read this, never use a verb other than said to carry dialogue. There's a lot of writers that are like that, though. I don't, I'm not I, a fan. I'm In okay with that, but I, reading out of sight, got so aggravated by Maurice said, Foley said, Cisco said. I didn't said, even notice it. Said, 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 said. It was I... so choppy. Well, and it emotes zero emotion. Yeah. It gives me no indication to how they said it, what tone we were using, whether or not they were angry or intense or sad or quiet or loud. Like I got no context. Blackie, and what do you it, got? Made it, really, I, really I, it reminded me of, I've, I've read this list, but I guess Elmore Leonard has written a book about writing, which Stephen King heavily quotes in on writing. Yeah. And so there's he a does. huge passage in on writing about the whole he said, she said thing. Yep. And yep. I understand to an extent that and I'm using actual Stephen King examples here, you know, that he ejaculated, you know, yes, of course. stuff like that is the uh, King also hates adverbs. He is strongly yeah, the other thing, adverbs. <laughs> I was going to say and adverbs, which you, with adverbs, you can really get into Swifty territory. Right. You know. Yes. But for the most part, it's just like, it just seems very rap, very, very, I, again, it goes back to it being like almost more of a screenplay than a novel. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's said, 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 said. And it's like, I, I get where Morgan's coming from. Yeah, yeah. me too. Me too. Um, it, I, go ahead, uh, Nick. I was going to say, I listened to the audiobook, which uh, sounds like it has its pros and cons comparatively to just reading it yourself. Because, uh, I wanted to see George Clooney, but all I heard was a sleazy, stereotypical gangster. Ah! Who read the and audiobook? I, I don't remember. That sounds like okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just these kind of uh, stereotypical, kind of grimy, sleazy, uh, New York kind of gangster. I mean, not New York, but because that's not where it is. Um but yeah, and it was that voice for almost uh, everyone, except once we get towards the caper at the end. Um, but yeah, it it's hard to want to picture the uh, the George Clooney charm and wit when you know that's the voice that you're hearing, um, and to be able to say, hey, there is people who are like meant to read it in that kind of voice. I think uh, the casting in particular is very inspired. It has a great cast for that movie. So I do think that it in, leads itself to a better interpretation than it actually is on the page. That's a really interesting point. It's funny that, that you, I'm glad you read the audio because I, I'm also an audio reader and this isn't one of them. Um, I'm looking it up now and it's George Guidall or Guidall, I don't know, G-U-I-D-A-L-L, -L, whose name I know because he's reading, he also read the Dark Tower series for mm. Stephen King. And I I constantly talk about how I I can't get through the Wastelands. And the Wastelands, I have on audio. And so it's like, I know this guy's voice. I, um, um, J. 
just as a quick tangent, I thought Frank Miller, not the comic book writer, I thought he was the guy that wrote read the uh the one that I have is Godot. Oh, he looks okay. like a New York gangster, Morgan. Morgan is showing <laughs> us a picture of what he looks uh, like, and it is he he's kind of a foregone conclusion in my yeah, mind. Yeah, this guy reads a lot. <laughs> um I don't know this 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 author, uh, but apparently it's a series. It looks like it's political thrillers by Vince Flynn, the Mitch Rapp series. I've heard um, of that, yeah. Yeah, so he reads a lot of those. He also read John Gardner's Grendel. Um, so that's kind of interesting. So there's, he's got Steinbeck. So this guy seems like a narrator who tends to be that. St- I, I can kind of see now his type. Um, he's narrated the Bible. Oh, I mean, I somebody's got to do, do it, it now from the description. <laughs> and I have no reason to want to listen to the Bible ever. <laughs> someone's got to do it. And James Earl Jones is old. So <laughs> Morgan Freeman, come on. Morgan Freeman should narrate the Bible. Mobster gangster. <laughs> That's so crazy. In, in, in the beginning now, with the heaven and the earth. <laughs> oh was terrible. but yeah oh, it's it's interesting nick that you you're talking about the 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 narration because i've had experiences reading audiobooks where the said 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 pulls me out of the story and so yeah, i definitely was experiencing it. that here too yeah 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 um, i haven't done a lot of audio so i'm not i can see that though yeah this time of year i get through fewer of them because i'm not in the car as much i, I listen yeah. to them in the car only I'm not somebody who can listen to them while I'm like working or while I'm doing chores because then I'm not listening. Um, I can't do two things at once. But anyway, um, so let's talk about, you know, plot. We have this situation where, go ahead. Oh, well, I I still didn't say why I liked it. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. I want to listen to everybody say why they didn't first. I'm trying to like balance everybody's voice. And I know I've heard everyone's voice. Anyone to like this book in this book. Absolutely not. Although I do have to say I feel bad because Heather has had two books and both of them we've hated. Well, I didn't like Morgan liked (laughs) it. I did. I was gonna say I liked a deadly education, but I was my book and I didn't like it. I remember (laughs) we trashed that book. Go ahead. Um, so yes, I, I, I did like it, but obviously I've been continuing to read his books. So I've adapted to his style too, which I've started to see more nuance with these characters than I did before. When I started reading the Raylan books, there was a familiarity because of the character on the show, which was helpful in that capacity. But the first book in the Raylan series was really difficult to get through. I enjoyed it, but it was difficult to adjust to a lot of the things that you guys have pointed out which are not as obvious to me now. One of the things that I do like is I love dialogue and conversations. Mm. I love it. And his characters, I see them in my head. And a lot of the reasons are some of the things you don't like, Morgan. It's hearing them say the racist things that they say and doing the stupid, violent things they do and making all of the ill choices that they do. I can imagine these MFers in my head exactly who they are because of the way that they talk. They're real, they're real people. I mean, I don't like what they're saying, but you're not supposed to. You're yeah, supposed but there's to a difference. Be- crap. There's a difference between someone writing that accurately from and like some sort of like especially well, when we're talking about marginalized communities and racism. Like it would be different if he was actually someone who had experienced those things. You he is literally a like old white man. He yes. looks like a West Bloomfield. <clears throat> 
fight. I, I mean, we, we have people like Quentin Tarantino who does that. And yeah, does it well. and I don't and like nobody that has content. nothing to say about it. So oh, I do. really, I, I don't like that content either way. Um, I love Tarantino. Just, He's my favorite filmmaker, which is it why feels, just, the next it just feels gratuitous to me. Is what it I is. With. It absolutely mm-hmm. is. All of it is. And it. I don't feel like it is without any point behind it at all. It's not just for the sake of it. Some of it doesn't make sense always. There's also a lot of characters I've noticed that are these older men with 40-year-old women. And he writes women terribly, which I did tell Morgan. Karen's the first woman that I've enjoyed of his. That he said, I'm like, you just don't get women. But he usually has a character that says, it pretty much explains, I, I, I'm trying here, but I don't get women. And they're almost always hairy. And they're older 60-ish year old men who are set in their ways. Jesus. Almost. And they That's... carry over in several of his books. So he's so subtle. So, yeah, it's not quite Clive Cussler where he puts himself in as the savior of the story. <laughs> but I appreciate That's that. Kind of the, the difficulty I had in imagining George Clooney playing Jack, because Jack, a big point in the book is made that Jack is so much older than Karen. And it's like, mm-hmm. but I happen to know in real life, George Clooney, he's older than Jennifer Lopez, but I don't think he's that much older. No, there's not. A, there's not an yeah. age gap there where you're questioning it. Well, you know. and he spent how many, he's supposed to have spent how many years in prison? Like, I'm sorry, pretty boy, boy George would not have, like, done well with all of those years in prison. Oh, he, he would, would have not... charmed his way through. Maybe. Yeah. But like, charisma on parade. It's not even his first prison movie. Where brother were for Arthur, where he gets all <laughs> escape. But yeah, but, he's this bank but, robber who's supposed so, to have spent, like, decades in prison. Like, you should be pretty hardened and, like, not... I don't know, not pretty anymore. Maybe that's an eloquent way of saying that. So, well, I mean, there's some, there's actually a couple of criminals who have come out of prison and been used as models and videos and stuff. So, I mean, it really depends. But we're under the age of 30. (laughs) But anyway, this is, this is part of the reasons why I did like it and enjoy it too, is I like this about his characters and it's a main theme that he has in all of his books that interests me. This is the part that I find most interesting is he has these villains he has mm-hmm. these bad guys and then he has law enforcement always. Yep. The line between the two of them is so thin. There is an obvious mirror here that the line between criminal and the line between the law enforcement is not so different. They do it really, really well with Raylan in the Raylan stories where they're like, oh, yeah, you kind of just shot that guy. And now you don't want to take accountability for it, even though you went, you know, outside of the lines of what you were supposed to do. And he's like, yeah, well, he deserved it. <laughs> And there's just kind of like, and, and then you have these criminals who get in their own way and screw things up. But I I like that he draws the attention to to that exact fact where a lot, a lot of what that line is and what separates the good guys from the bad guys isn't that different. And I think that's explored most obviously in Out of Sight, out of all the novels I've read so far. Whereas Karen is curious. Oh, oh, and this is another part too that unfairly you all didn't have knowledge ahead of time but he does short stories which i prefer his short stories he should do short stories i think that his stories work much better as that or maybe novellas Mm -hmm. but there's a karen cisco short story which they do reference in the book where she hooks up with a guy before she knows that he's a criminal and then she finds out he's a bank robber and she does turn him in or i think a bank robber but so yeah, so they go back, they go back to that and they mention it and they're like, oh, so she has a pension for these guys. But the truth is- I was is, just gonna say, know, 
you don't know who the criminal is until you find out what he's done afterwards, which right. basically sets up this entire story of her going, well, here's my curiosity. But that's also why the payoff at the end works. If she didn't, spoiler alert, if she didn't arrest his ass at the end, this right. book would not work for me at fucking all. Yeah. If she, if she would have done the, oh no, I care for him and I'm going to turn my head and let him go, I'd have been like, oh yeah. Trash. No, no. She's like, nah, he's going to jail. I got my I got my rocks off. Time time to go. That doesn't necessarily make her a good <laughs> guy or good at her job or any of those things, but it makes her fucking interesting to me. Yeah. And it also I, makes her human. I I did appreciate that I, I think certain certain points in the characterization I think were fairly strong. The ambiguity of law enforcement I think he portrayed fairly well. Um I, I didn't always, the other thing is, is that on the other hand is that I always have, and this is, again, this is me, I, I'm not necessarily sure I, I'd say this is a flaw with Leonard. I have, for various reasons, which, you know, in my psychology, which we'll not get into because this is not a psychological podcast, I have a hard time sympathizing with, with characters that make poor romantic choices. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Interesting. And with, with with Karen, it's like, and this is Karen's previous boyfriend, the guy that turned out to be a bank robber. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you know. So you yeah. have, so you have a, so you have bad taste in men. I don't sympathize with that. And like I said, I maybe do. that's just me. I, <laughs> I'm, but I'm not, but I'm not female. And yeah. I, again, we I'm have a whole lot joking, of. Like... We can go into, we can go into my old dating history and psychology, but this isn't the place for that. Well, that's what I'm I saying, do... though. It's not necessarily that they're likable. I know it's hard not to be able to invest in your main characters. None of his characters are ever particularly likable to me, which, again, is funny because they translate to really likable on film. But they're interesting to me. And there is a level of realism there that perks my interest and curiosity. Fair enough. Yeah. I think yeah. when it comes to her, and I know uh, I'm going to sound a little like a broken record here, and I'll do my best not to, but it would have felt more real if some of the racism was coming from her. She's actually one of the few characters throughout the entire story that doesn't As a law sword. enforcement. Yeah, that would yeah. have felt more accurate to me, honestly. Um, and it would have felt less gratuitous that was just these gangsters and criminals that are dropping the N-bomb all the time. Yeah. And really saying some really harmful shit about um, gay people, which is great. Mm -hmm. I feel like some of this is, and I certainly don't want to be dismissive of anything. So, so forgive me if I, as I find my words here, but I feel like some of our problems with this are common problems we have with like old white men writers, yes. right? From a certain time period. It, because like, I, I'm with Lackey on like, why, why do we need the romance? Why do we need the star cross lovers bullshit? Um, you know, obviously this isn't going to pass the Bechdel test, but like, no. why, why is it that if you have a female, there needs to be some kind of romantic interest and oh, we, nuts in most complicated, yeah. let's like, I'm reading a horror novel by um, Andrew Van Way, who I actually enjoy quite a bit. He has a book called By the Light of, Dar of Dead Stars, which is really cool. I'm reading a book <sighs> called Blind Sight. And the two female main characters, so there's two people in law enforcement, there's a guy and there's a woman, and then there's this third female character who's kind of like the linchpin in helping them progress. And the female law enforcement is gay. 
Therefore, oh, we're going to literally block a romance because she's gay. That's another oh. trope I don't like. But yeah. so now I'm at a point in this book where there's a possibility where this male enforcement guy is now going to get with that third woman. And I went, now you're going to force it here. Um, it just seems like just because we have human beings who are sexual beings it doesn't mean that every interaction that we have with another sexual being means that there has to be sexual chemistry right. um and i just i find it frustrating because i kind of liked the idea at first of them peeing in the trunk and him not doing anything i went okay mm -hmm. we're gonna play this gentleman thing okay i kind of like the banter um again i think I wonder how I would have found this book if I didn't know there was a movie and I didn't have George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez in my I brain. I agree. I agree. Um, because I did, and again, throughout this entire thing, I wanted to see it, which is rare for me. I don't typically say that the movie is better than the book. I do have my own personal list, but I don't find that to be a problem usually. If I don't like a book, I just don't like a book. This, I was desperate. I'm like, I need to see a stage performance. I need to see people doing this in order to really appreciate the cadence of it. Um, but it just, it irks me, like you're saying, Lackey, when, you know, we're going to have two human beings, if we don't have some sort of sexual, you know, chemistry or some sort of, uh, I can't come up with the word, some sort of will they, won't they, then, oh, it's just not going to be a good story. It's like, you can create tension without that just mm -hmm. fine. Like, why is it that we have to have this star-crossed situation where he's, you know, she he's a criminal and she's law enforcement. What will happen? I mean, it's the foundation of every damn sitcom on TV. Yeah, uh -huh. I agree. I agree. The only thing that I'd say that's different is this doesn't happen in most of his books. There, and that's it, fair. I've only read. Yeah, the one. there is occasionally. I mean, I'm not saying there's not romances or relationship stuff that happens. It's always, but it's always secondary. It's not plot front like this sure. one is. Um, which is why this one to me it came to my attention so much that I felt like he was really trying to blur the lines between the good guys and the bad guys here. Sure. The, really, literally posing the he had Foley ask the question what if our circumstances were different would you be on that side or this side how would it be if you didn't know and i didn't know oh, i don't think that's what he's asking when i read that he was asking would we be together not whether or not you would be a bad guy or i, I don't think that guy. was just a question for the story i think that was an overall metaphor that i see in all of his books that i've read so far well because he asks it multiple he times does. he does and it works in the story but it also i think works as an overall theme, which is why I kept going, oh, oh, and I kept having all these aha moments for myself. Sure. Yeah. All right. Lisa, let's... I think you pinned it really well, though, that like, I I do get rubbed by old white guys. Sure. I mean, there's, actually, there's I'm just going to end the sentence there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also, specifically, I have a hard time going back. And I mean, this is from the 90s. Again, I know I had this issue with Fight Club as well of like when we read those books now i i feel really firmly and yeah i feel really firmly that we should be reading them very critically because a lot of the conversations <laughs> now about uh marginalized communities and how to actually like portray media in a way that isn't just perpetuating stereotypes for the sake of it mm -hmm. i think we have to read that critically yeah, I agree with you there. I will I will push back a little bit on Palinut. Um Fair. because P 
Palinuk and uh, better than somebody say a Bretty Stanellis who's just a misogynistic asshole, but Palinuk it like leans into I am writing about terrible people. Yeah, um, sure. sure. He, but he very, very specifically was yeah. only writing about white people, which I know we talked about in right, in, right, in our episode about for fight, sure. I'd like to shift gears a little bit if we could on this and ask what gets Morgan's going to be like, really, this is what we're doing. I'm going to do it, Morgan. Um, I can't get away from the film thing because Mm. he constantly has them talking about it. Not to mention, you know, he talks about three days of the condor frequently enough that it reminded me of the plot of three days of the condor. And I went, (laughs) Oh, okay. I was just so reading something fan. else where we had that same reference to Three Days of the Condor, and I can't remember what it was. And I'm going, why is this in my my cycle right now? And then I saw something on TV about it. I'm like, I guess I have to revisit this movie. Yes. I only <laughs> saw it for the first me. time recently a couple months ago on a plane. Um, uh, uh, oh. What's hilariously, that? hilariously enough, I watched rewatched uh, Three Days of the Condor for the first time in several years about two weeks before starting the novel. Yeah. Oh, so this was real fresh in your brain. Yeah. I mean, you've got a film. It's not a direct one-to-one. I mean, you've got Robert Redford working as this, like, research data analyst. And then um, he, you know, spy situation and he gets mistaken for, like, somebody who knows something. And then they're going to come after him and kill him because he potentially does know something because that he was digging into it and yada, yada. But he carjacks a woman right because he needs an escape and he goes to her apartment and then there's this whole banter thing back and forth and then they end up sleeping together and it's just like what the hell is going on i remember watching this movie on the on the plane going the hell is this can i fast forward through this but there's this whole banter where he asks her to do something and she's like have i said no to you yet and they keep pulling that in here or yeah elmore leonard pulls that in here um but you know the movies that he references he references bonnie and clyde he references three days of the condor he references stranger than paradise take the money and run and repo man so he's doing doing bad guys that end up with the good girls and so he's definitely the good girls yeah he's got a notable trope to this and where there are some writers who do this in a clever way i felt this was really heavy-handed it was End of topic. Okay. It, no, I know it, it was. Will feel, it will feel oh, unsurprising uh, to everyone that I have not seen that movie or read any of that media about Three Days okay. of the Condor that went fully over my head every single time. I got the note, obviously, because he. I agree with you. Lisa heavy-handedly was like, "I've not said no to you yet," and it like it felt very wistful to me. Yeah. Um. And I was like, "What is this about porno? Like, what is happening?" He has ah. this. He has this. He has this thing, and you'll see it in his his films and shows or reading his books. He loves fucking movies. He yeah. is a movie aficionado, and he just lets it, like you see a lot of authors where they're like, almost all their books have libraries in them. Oh, thank yeah. you. He, he realizes, at least I think in his later writings, because I haven't read his early stuff, so I can't speak on it, but he definitely constantly references movies that he okay. loves with his characters regularly, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Fair. In this case, it didn't. It it didn't as much. Again, one time, you make your point. Yeah. You make your point. He didn't have to be that heavy-handed with it, which is ironically kind of against his own mantra for writing. 
I don't know. I just, I feel like something about it feels forced where, you know, we're all movie nerds, poor Morgan. And like we, it just, we start yammering and movies are going to come out. Um, but I feel like if I've been kidnapped, I'm less likely to be talking about that or it would be less fluid, I guess is the word. Like, it does it seem to everyone else that, you know, like, I don't know that I believe maybe it's because she's a U.S. Marshal and she's more badass than me. You know what? That she would be so calm and just chatting about critical elements of these movies. I don't it just it felt so strange to me. I'm just tossing this out there and, and that maybe not toss it, girl. to, but I'm just thinking, you know, it's a fantasy element. You see this in a lot of fantasy romances where like, oh, this story, these two would never end up together if you start using your realistic and logical minds. And here it's the same thing where this wouldn't happen between these characters for the most part. I mean, there is Beauty and the Beast moments, but it's not a fantasy novel, though. It's yeah. not. This is a, This is a fantasy he has and he's making it real. That is why it's towing that line a little too close and he's making it real for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, it kind of felt like he was just trying to play out his own kink of like, yeah, yeah a little oh, bit. I'm turning the good girl, right? Like I'm turning the US Marshal into this bad girl or whatever. And sometimes um, it works and sure. sometimes it does. And and in this case, it's I can see why it, it doesn't for, for you guys. I do. Yeah. And, I, and I genuinely too admit I might, be a little swayed by the idea that I've had the the Clooney and Lopez yeah chemistry in my into head that again. during this yeah and I'm, I'm just saying it because when I'm defending these aspects too I'm trying to be as fair as possible and saying I may be influenced otherwise by it also but I think that's it I think he I think he thinks that this is this is really cool and it's a fantasy element and he strays away from his own rules of writing what he thinks is realistic in these scenarios and he doesn't get women at all so it's not helpful yeah that's that's pretty fair um what do the guys think i mean the the girls here are yammering as we are often want to do <laughs> nick you've been pretty quiet dan what do you think dan i keep calling you dan who the hell is dan i know i'm like a lackey's on yeah you can call me dan i mean it doesn't yeah, but i matter. don't it feels weird to me um <laughs> What do you guys think? Where because we're making these complaints, but you guys aren't aren't saying too I, much about it. I had a I had a just a random note of when uh, you were talking about how they insert like talking about movies, but it's yeah. like they're being kidnapped, and like why would anyone <laughs> talk about this? It made me think like if they were in that last kind the heist moment, they were doing the house. And, uh, you know, the girl was like, hey, have y'all seen uh, Clockwork Orange? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. This this is going to be pretty irreversible. Um, <laughs> no, but, irreversible, but, is a, irreversible is a different movie. That's a different film. <laughs> yeah, that was the joke. Um, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> go, oh, go on, Nick. No, I yeah, I don't know either. I didn't particularly uh, enjoy or get into the book enough to even think about half the things y'all are thinking about. I was just bored. Yeah. Uh, I, not, it, nothing really happened until the end with the heist, which that was kind of interesting, but... Uh, I don't have any issues with exploitation like uh, like Morgan does. Sure. Uh, 
but uh so that that was okay but still even then there were moments of like it wouldn't happen like this yeah or uh it, it's it's a hyper realistic uh gritty crime fantasy um and it just it was written so dully <laughs> I, I don't yeah i don't know how else to really explain my thoughts i don't remember most of the book it all kind of blends together of just people talking about nothing and then mm. the romance that didn't have anything behind it i was with lackey on that and uh you know lackey earlier you were saying how you didn't uh you think it's probably just you it's not uh right. this i there's there's nothing between these characters and the whole time I was like, why is this happening? Why are you obsessed with each other? You're not giving me any reason to believe that. And when that is the core of the book, uh, you can, I mean, I, the other stuff is there, the, the racism, the exploitation, like mm -hmm. all of that. But when the core of the book is this romance that is mind bogglingly nothing yeah. and doesn't work, then you can ignore all of that other stuff because the book itself doesn't work for me. Totally fair. Go ahead, Lackey. Um, for for me, um, I I am a, a notoriously awkward person who doesn't often get why anybody else other than him does the things they do. Um, it 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 it. it to me, again, it wasn't like there was so much uh, obvious sexual tension between the two. And this is, I, I think, maybe uh, for me, it's 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 side effect of it being written. Uh, chemistry is easy to kind of portray in a film where you have absolute sex bombs like George Clooney and right, Jennifer Lopez on his screen. Yeah. That's then 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 obviously, you know, that's gonna work. But it's a little bit harder to portray it on the page. And and there are just times when I felt, is it just the fact that I'm not a person who's a particularly sexual person or particularly, you know, somebody who's particularly interested in romantic stories that this isn't working for me. Um I, I don't think, and and again, this is just my point of view. I think he writes women at least here fine, at least in this no novel. Um, I don't. My experience of women is that women are not really all that much different from men. Psychology. I mean, in, in terms of behavior and psychology, I mean, women do smart shit and women do stupid shit, just like men do smart shit and do stupid shit. Um, uh, so I didn't have, um, it, it didn't particularly seem to me, the, the racism and the homophobia bugged me. Um, this is a novel, I, I understand that this is written by an old white guy, but it is also a novel written in 1996. Yeah. And I, I do feel that Elmore Leonard kind of should have known a little bit better or tried yeah. to at least make it a little bit more clear the delineation between the character's attitudes and his own attitudes, you I know? Agree. I, I when I'm trying to read something that's from like Lovecraft's era, I'm completely I'm not going to say comfortable, but I'm I'm completely going with the knowledge that, you know, you're gonna start people are gonna start throwing around the N-word because it was nineteen twenty and it was a casual thing then. You right. know, I don't I don't I don't say it's right or wrong, but I know that it's part of the time period and people in 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 general, you know didn't know better. Someone in 19 writing in 1996 should have known better. 
Yeah. And I mean, even if there was some kind of, because the homophobia definitely caught me too. And it's just Mm. sort of like, are we playing? And then what it comes down to is, okay, so you can argue, oh, well, it's the character. The character is homophobic. And it's like, well, that's a cliche then. Like this idea of like hardened prisoners being afraid of gay men and and all the things that happen in prison. It's like, that's lazy. You know, it is lazy. I just didn't, I couldn't explain it away because it wasn't done well. Like I said, it just felt lazy for me. I I still think it comes down to the way, the style of writing is part of it. It's because he doesn't sit there and develop his character. So he expresses his characters through dialogue. So that's how it comes out. And I understand why you don't like it and you shouldn't like it. It, We're not supposed to. And that's, that's fine too. I I have, I disagree to an extent with, with the idea that the characters aren't necessarily supposed to be likable. The back cover of the book refers to Jack as uh, a gentleman and Karen as classy. I think we're supposed to see her as classy at all. Karen is, I mean, the first fucking shot, she's she's got a shotgun. She's ready to kick ass. That's one of the things (laughs) I like about her. She's not. And a bad bitch. In an even more laughable, the the quote that's used, or the... um, the yeah, blurb. the quote from a, the review on the co- front cover uh, from the Orlando Sentinel, which like, random, okay. Irresistible, a gem of perfect pacing and characterization. Dialogue so crisp it crackles. And we are all sitting here saying the dialogue was flat. <laughs> what? I mean, I was, I was laughing at this the whole time grading. I was re- reading it. Right? I think the that the, uh, the issue is is that we're not supposed to like these characters. Yeah. But Elmore Leonard fucking loves them. Yes, he, he does. does. Yeah, yes, he that's does. the thing. That's a good point, Nick. That's exactly it. it. it, it it's, it's what I call Clive Barker's Cabal Syndrome. Ooh. Aaron, you know, Clive Barker has basically, in, in Cabal, Clive Barker basically creates his dream boy in Aaron Boone. And the the problem is that Aaron Boone to everybody else is a wet friggin' noodle. Right. I do. I and it's funny because like I like unlikable characters. That's yeah. sort of my again. That's my wheelhouse. Like I like despicable people. It's why I'm a Palinuk fan. It's why I like Brady Stanalis's writing. Like I like books about horrible people. I didn't like this, and I think it's because they were depicted in such a way that I just don't believe them. Um. um this is a, a bit of a it's it's there's another one and i'm probably going to get somebody's probably going to want to punch me in the face for calling let's go what i what i call jamie lannister syndrome which is a character <laughs> you have a lot of I, syndromes based on i have a lot of syndromes people, but this is what this is what i call jamie lannister syndrome the character that the that 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 everybody seems to think is incredibly likable Except me. <laughs> Jamie's not likable. He's yeah, an Jamie's asshole. Like, but he yeah, has but a they tried to they tried to push him. Well, they, they tried, tried to, to turn him. In the like, show, the whole point is that he's he's like his character is written from such a like overtly dripping sexual way. Yep. Like yeah. that that. That is his character. And he's beautiful. He's supposed to be beautiful and charming. He's supposed to be all those things, which is a direct contrast to the fact that we are introduced to someone who is a very evil person. Right. Right. But the way that Elmore Leonard writes Jack Foley, 
I got zero sex appeal from this man at all. And yeah. that's why I'm having a real hard time jiving George Clooney and my written knowledge of Jack Foley. That's yeah. Jack I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to say one thing. It just it just struck struck me now. Jack Foley strikes me as an old pervert. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's what I was kind of saying earlier is I'm starting to realize that he has these characters and I don't know if he had the self-realization while he was writing them and some authors I've noticed clearly do not uh, and some are just megalomaniacs. I don't think that Elmore Leonard is. I think that he, I think that he's kind of, like he is of movies, I think he's kind of a fan of these ideas and these stories and his characters. He, and he has his own perspectives and because he tries to play them in there, that's what ends up happening. Just like I said, with his relationships with women in most of the other books, they're just kind of there. He, he writes them and he has the character pretty much go, I don't understand them. And so the character fills in the blanks on their own. Right. Because he doesn't get them. And you don't, you don't get to discover that either. Right. So again, if it was played in a play or in a movie, you have actors and directors to fill in those blanks with nuance, mm -hmm. which you don't get here. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get any of it because he just uses the word sit. Yeah, I fill it in, in my head though. So it works, it does work for me, but I 100% understand why all of you haven't liked it and the things that you haven't liked about it and totally get it. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing, but I, I yeah. think if we all came in here loving every book that we read, it would be a pretty dull podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I love getting to talk about the nuances. Yeah, I really, I will say, like, because I was, I started taking notes as I was having reactions. Um, I really, really liked the bar scene in chapter 18. Um, and the only reason oh, I know it's that chapter is because I literally wrote it down. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved these three guys who were like, we have a bet on what you do. And I won. It was like, oh, fuck you. Like, this guy mm -hmm. is just gross. And then, like, another one comes and takes his turn. And then the third one she's convinced is behind, and it turns out it's Foley. And I was like, okay, I kind of like this. I this scenario, I like this scene. Um, it was the my favorite scene of the book, where I was like, Be okay, I like the turn here. Because it's what it's, 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 it's what entitled rich white yuppie yeah. men do. I liked that jab. Yeah. It was interesting. I mean, A, that bar is still there and it's super fucking cool. You can see Canada and you can see like a lot of Detroit oh, sprawling. It's very cool. Um, it's now a very, very bougie bar. So like, don't go without the expectation that you're gonna spend a lot of money. Yeah, um, I won't go there then. It is worth it for the view, not gonna lie. Um, but I I did like that scene. I The thing that pulled me out of it was how bad at role playing they were. Oh yeah, that was if silly. If you are gonna do the role playing, which at first I was like, oh, this could be hot, great, let's go. And then they did it badly. And I was like, fuck, come on. I was like, run with this. And I then you're again, like, oh, it's a good idea. I found that charming. Yet, or are we not doing it? <laughs> I found that charming. I found the bad, bad role playing kind of charming because they were just kind of like, oh, I'm Celeste. Did I, It's. I found that comical. Um, it's just funny because in every other, and maybe this is this is a point to like it humanizing them, Lisa, which is yeah, I think maybe. Is what you're saying, um, of like in every other scene, they're like so suave with each other that right. we're like trapped in a trunk that we're talking about movie scenes in while being kidnapped and we're running away from jail, right? Like 
everything else be. is so suave and smooth that that scene not being suave or smooth felt a little jarring but i also understand also how that could yeah i kind of i'm people. kind of with lisa on it to a point and the reason i kind of I mean, no, it's not as sexy because of it, but it's kind of almost sweet. It's because <clears throat> they weren't, they didn't have those same shields up. They didn't have the same, they're trying to impress each other or it was, okay, we're here. Uh, how do we do this? And, and I can, and I, I, can kind of, I liked it. Yeah. I can also see how like, maybe there's something to be said for in the times when no one else could see them, they mm. were able to be right? Like we're in the darkness of the trunk, no one else can see us. Um, and then we're in the like broad daylight of a full walled windowed bar and we can't do the smoothness. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's also another aspect that I do appreciate that I felt like he did kind of address is he did have all the characters on both sides asking them, why are you doing this? And they're both kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm... And then Karen like overcompensated by, I'm going to go get his ass. But we were like, yeah, we know what you're going to do. You're going there to tag his ass. You're going to get his ass. Yeah, uh, you're I see get what you're saying. Yeah, but I think like she was overcompensating because she had these unresolved feelings and she couldn't deal with them, especially because it was her second time like going, why am I attracted to these bad boys? Well, you're a bad, <laughs> you're, you're a bit of a bad girl. But again, oh. that was where I was kind of going into the, oh, the, the, the lines here are, are kind of blurred. A, yeah. a bit like oh, you see it best uh with boyd and and raylan the two of them oh sure yeah that's 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 done at its absolute best as far as i'm concerned but but yeah i did i i, I thought that was that was kind of fun i still love the ending though i don't know how much i would have liked it if the end it didn't end properly that was so i put it down i was like yeah, yeah. I, and, and what's uh, funny is as i was reading it I didn't know. So I, my edition of the book, I don't know if yours does too, because you guys have covers that are similar to what I've got. I read it on my Kindle. Morgan has mine. There was yeah. a chunk of pages left. So when I got to that ending and turned the page and it was done and I went, oh, oh, that's it. Because I still thought I had 25% left of the book. Oh, that's not the case. It no, it ends and there's one extra page. Okay. Yep. So yeah, I- there's a I mean, I There's was like a, turning pages page. and skimming and skimming and skimming and skimming and skimming. And it was like, there's still another quarter of the pagination left. So I got to the end and I went, oh, I, I should go back and read the last couple of pages again because I completely missed that this was it. Um, so I found that really funny. So I think that my my moving through the book the way I was kind of wrecked the ending for me. And that's totally on me that I don't blame him for that. I just, my distaste for the the style, um, I lost the effect of it, I think. So I'm glad that it worked really well for you guys. I'm glad you brought up the end of the book and someone earlier said something, I'm forgetting who, sorry, um, about him being an old pervert. And I was literally <laughs> rereading the last few paragraphs right now in front of me. I'm remembering like, she literally says, uh, I want you to know I think you're a cool guy. I never for a minute felt like you were too old for me. I'm afraid, though, 30 years from now, I'll feel different about it. Yeah. Which And then the last line of the whole book, I'm forgetting how much I hated the last little bit. I liked that it ended with her getting him, but the last little bit is her dad being so goddamn weird. 
And I had lots of, I'm realizing now, I had lots of questions about what her dad did. When we he definitely need to talk about the dad. Yeah, yes. I think dad. he participates mm -hmm. in this whole idea of like, well, you just have a type for bad guys and it's fine. Because the literal whole last line of the book is, my little girl, her dad said, the tough babe. Ew. <laughs> what? Yeah. Right? The whole but relationship, it, I, I always hmm. felt like, reading it too i felt like i felt like part of the the thing with her with the guys was almost even though she clearly respected and adored her dad mm -hmm. felt like it was still kind of a rebellion against her father like and oh i think if it happened they would have he would have been way more fired up about it yeah yeah but he does same... not take the like he doesn't take the protective dad role really no he doesn't really take the misogyny until the end that's my little girl <laughs> Um, but the tough babe, sorry, now that I'm, that's really grossing me out again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think if it was a rebellion against her dad, I think it, he, they would have played him up as more of a like tough guy. No, you can't do that. Just like handcuff his ass kind of stuff. Um, and we didn't get that from him. So I get more of a sense that she learned this weird behavior from dad of like, maybe it's okay to like, flex the line sometime as long as you're going to get the guy at the end kind of thing because he even says like, like yeah. have a good time on the plane with him have your little interlude but then you gotta throw him in the can and i'm like how many people did you have inappropriate relations with oh good point yeah he was in private too he was mm -hmm. the one who was telling her that if she got into the marshal service and that she would be doing pickups and paperwork and that's not what she wanted. She wanted the action, which is what he was into and all about when he was younger and that kind of thing, too. Is dad a nod to like the old grizzled noir kinds of investigators, do I you think? don't think so, because Dennis Farina plays him in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And Dennis, and Dennis Farina is like not that guy no he's not the guy in the book either so i don't i don't know it's funny because i only i didn't think about any although ving rames popped in after i looked up who played buddy and i will say steve zahn as glenn also works really well especially with that line when um adele compares him to kato kalen yeah. like this, this <laughs> hanger on of oj simpson i was like oh my god i can picture steve zahn's face right now like that's so funny um i didn't go far enough to find out that it was farina so that's really kind of interesting um i think don Cheadle's in it too yeah oh i love him maurice oh, he plays maurice oh i can see that that's very yeah, cool yeah I'm definitely going to watch that movie now. Watch the movie, it's better. It. <laughs> I, I have no doubt, frankly, because it everybody is, has said is. for so long that it's so good. Um, I just never got around to it. So that's interesting. I was trying oh, to not oh, I did, put the actors I, on it. I did get my my line and my part that I, I love. Which one? Want to tussle? <laughs> <laughs> and then she kicks his ass. Oh my God. It's just so weird. Although I, I do remember somewhere in the movie, there's some bathtub scene and I kept waiting for that to come up. Um, it came up in the movie. That's why I was Well, that's I was what I'm giggling. saying. Was it in the yeah. book? I must've skimmed over it. It was over. in the book. Yeah. That's why I was giggling. Yeah, she I had skimmed her, over it. she had her stick. Yeah. She had her stick and she, I'll bet she did. She, she, she took care of him. She got her stick. Mm-hmm. 
I was happy about it. That was a good moment for me. I giggled. (laughs) It just reminds me of when I was in junior high and I was reading Dean Koontz novels. And you get two thirds of the way into them and there'd be a sex scene. And I was always like, can I get back to the monsters, please? I don't want to read this shit. First time I ever read a sex scene, by the way, was in a Dean Koontz book in the library in junior high. I I was like, But see me, 11, 12 years old, I was like, I don't want, can I have my monsters, please? And I'd like flip through really quick. Like, it didn't shock me. I was just disturbed by it because it pissed me off that you interrupted my I'm monster story. because I wasn't expecting it because of yeah. what I was reading. Yep. I was reading Anne Rice at the time, so I was fine. Oh, you'd with... had all the sex. <laughs> I had all the sex. I was fine. I was watching inappropriate movies at a young age. It oh, was yeah. not a shock to me in that capacity. It was a shock to me in... I did not expect this. In fact, I've had that happen with a couple books as an adult. Now I'm going, oh, so they're doing that. And sometimes oh. it's a pick, and sometimes it's, that doesn't belong here. <laughs> Let's talk that, though. So what else do we need to say about Out of Sight? I can't this is the first book in a long time that I gave two stars. <laughs> Nick, Nick says he say? Nick says, go ahead, Nick. Uh, I said, I can't believe we said as much as we did about it. <laughs> um. I, I did want to mention the thing that, and this ties into some other stuff that we've talked about, but it, it, it I was just flipping through the book and I came across the word skirt and I'm like, it, it does, it, it does, you know, I did notice how much they talk about that damn skirt. And it's like, to the extent that it's not quite in she boobed boobly territory, but it's like, <laughs> Yeah, we get it. It's a short yeah. skirt, Elmore. Yeah, yeah this book was obsessed with clothes. Yeah. yeah, she also wasn't nearly mad enough about him ruining a vintage Chanel. I, I felt skirt. the same way like, about that. Are you fucking kidding me? No, that shit was more than her rent or mortgage if she owns right. a home. Like, right? I I did have no way. I'm still the, sexually attracted to that man who ruined that suit. The. The, the clothing part, though, and Stephen King actually mentions this in on writing, too. He's like, ah, I don't think you should mention clothes at all when you're writing unless they have some something to do with the plot. I'm like, well, I like to write what people are wearing, Stephen, so we're going to part <laughs> yeah. ways here. But, <laughs> but yeah, but Stephen will give case, you his details about all sorts of random shit, so it's I not know. like he's some brilliant that's, writer either. That's what I'm saying. You take the pieces he is, I do prefer him, though. But I love, I love Stephen, and I respect his work, but it's not always for me either. Sure. But uh, but still probably one of the best books on writing I've ever read. Oh, I love um, yeah, it's book. a great book. Yeah. But um, in this case, he does he does utilize it. Like I was laughing at the part where he's wearing the Hawaiian shirt and trying to play off as a tourist. Oh my god! And I'm picturing him fire and he's mortified. That yeah. worked. That Socks worked for me. That worked for me because of the. Uh, I I don't mind descriptions of clothes. You know, I don't want to read a frigging catalog. I don't want to read like a friggin', you know, like fashion catalog, but I do, you know, I, I don't mind like descriptions of clothes and stuff like that when they go to character or situation. Mm-hmm. Like Jack is dressing up as a huge dork, you know, because he's quote unquote, you know, trying to blend in. He's hide trying in plain to, sight. you know, he's trying to hide in plain, exactly, hide in plain sight, uh, as opposed to being out of sight. And but, there it is. Um, he's hiding in plain sight so he's deliberately looking like a huge dork which is like i think they even mention the socks and sandals you know that's fine but the skirt tragic the the, the constant return to the skirt is like we get it elmore you have a fetish right 
Yeah, it felt very much like he was writing his own erotica and it just wasn't very good. Like, mm-hmm. if the, just because this is what gets your rocks off, uh-huh. does not mean that it's going to translate. The dorky tourist outfit very much felt to me like a really actually good nod at how um, Florida is. Mm-hmm. Florida is a very deeply weird place. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we that's didn't talk the thing about that too. Enough, but yeah, there's there's most of his stories take place in Detroit or Miami area. Those are his two main locations that he's existed in. I enjoyed all the Detroit references. I don't know if anybody else did or not. I know Morgan didn't. That was great for me. Um, I'm I'm good with that kind of thing in stories, though. I'm I'm fine as long as there has some something of interest yeah. to it. I like the movement of it. It's fine. I felt like I was there, so it works. It worked fine for me. But yeah. Miami, the stuff I've read about the 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 shit that he he has that takes place in Miami, I'm like, all you're doing is fulfilling all the stereotypes I have in my mind about Florida people. Yeah. It's not helped at all. I mean, like I think I... that's a thing, though, because we're talking about Stephen King. You talk about somebody like a John Irving. We talk about filmmakers like Woody Allen and Martin Scorsese. I mean, this is what people do. Like some people, their trademark is location. Sorry, Lackey, go ahead. I was going to say the the Michigan lackeys are from the Detroit suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recognized I, I was able to recognize a couple things here and there without enough for me to get a sense of place um but not being a native detroit person um i I didn't like it didn't seem to go overboard for me and like i said i think it really does capture florida in the fact that just florida is so weird yeah but i thought it was interesting that like he gave so much detail about like what street he was driving down in michigan and in detroit so that you had a place of reference which again i did very much appreciate it was incredibly accurate <laughs> but when we were in florida we didn't get that detail oh interesting and Foley is not from florida not from florida he's not from detroit like but you did not get the same amount of detail and reference when they were in florida trying to drive to adele's house mm. house apartment whatever hotel was more detail hotel with everything in general what's once, once they got to detroit that's when it felt like the story actually started i agree and like that was something really far was happening. It was about halfway. It was about yeah. halfway yeah. by the time they got to Detroit. There was a lot of talk about going there. And then all of these trip-ups before. Again, I think this would have worked better as a novella than a full-length novel. I agree. I felt like it was it was overblown to make it a novel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Nick was saying, halfway before something's actually happening, you've lost me already. By then, I'm skimming and just trying to get through it. It is too long. It, it's there's too much setup, and it takes too long to get to the bit that I was really interested, which was the caper. Yeah, I mean, I got to that point. I went, oh wait, something interesting is happening. I should probably slow down for a minute and you know reread a couple of paragraphs. But I don't know. It was a little too little, too late for me. I wanted to. I'm more excited about seeing the movie than I was reading the book. Yeah, I do kind of want to see the movie now. I yeah. want to watch the movie. I want to watch the movie again. Plus, it's a Soderbergh movie, if I remember correctly. It is indeed. Yes, yes, yes. It looks, it looks like a Soderbergh movie, which I love how Soderbergh. I do like look. a Soderbergh. Yes. Well, I'm sorry you guys didn't like it. Don't that is okay. Don't be. That is Don't okay. I mean, if it's something Amy, very different. You can't aim for 
you know, like I think when we we do our submissions and things like this, I think trying to submit books, I mean, granted, we try and submit books that we hope people will choose. But if we're submitting books simply to bait other people, I feel like there's an in-office authenticity to it. Um, You know, we're like, hey, here's a book I'm interested in. Some of us submit books that we've read and we think other people will read. Some of us are like, hey, this is a book I've been meaning to read. Maybe people want to read it too. I think that makes these conversations more interesting. I agree. I was actually kind of, I mean, I I was bummed for you guys when I was getting feedback along the way, but I was also like, Oh, well, this will, I think that's exactly what I said to Morgan was like, oh, well, I'll make an interesting show for us to talk mm-hmm. about because we're right. all adults and can, can listen to each other talk and it'll be good and yeah. it'll be good for people who are listening. Yep. I mean, th- this, this is what I do for a living. I mean, we read books and we talk about them. So, I mean, because I'm, I'm down. Them, except for the, the kids. Well, there's a reason why, I mean, I, I, I taught a film class and I showed them Ghostbusters once. And I showed them the Blues Brothers once. And I'm like, I will not submit to you any more movies that I love this passionately if I'm going to listen to you trash them. Screw all of you. Um, But it's like, you know, I can show movies now that I I have proven that they love them. And so it's like, okay, I can do this. This is good. I've taught you to be proper aficionados. But um, yeah, I mean, there comes a thing to when you when you submit a book that you love so, so much or and then you hear people basically being like, this is shit. Like, you don't want to hear that. Um, and I do hope, Heather, that the next book that wins from your recommendations, I really hope we all like it. <laughs> I hope so, too. We'll I mean, we'll I don't I don't submit books that I've read before. Um, yeah, I, I did that with Get Shorty because it had been 20 years plus. I think yeah. that's a fair that in that category um but I don't submit books that I've read before I try and keep things within a reasonable length and I try to pick things that I think would be interesting to talk about yeah and that everyone may or may not like it's 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 at least that's that's usually what I do I try and keep everybody in mind to some some degree I mean I think we've done a good job with that so far Mm -hmm. I mean this is our sixth episode um of those six titles there was only one I had read before uh Mm -hmm. which was home before dark which was our last episode um i knew fight club but i hadn't read the novel so that was kind of cool but everything else it was like it was a new title for me that i hadn't read before and i really enjoyed that because i like to be pushed to read something different um Mm -hmm. even though i do have (laughs) i have a a distinct amount of procrastination because part of my brain resists quote assigned reading which is the irony of me being an english teacher me too Um, but this being your me show. assigned anything if i have I know, to right? do something it might be something i want to do but the second i say i have to do it i'm like no we ain't doing that mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah like something that. about like i got two new books in this week both of them i've been very very excited for all year um paul tremblay's short stories <sighs> the beast you are and uh philip fracassi's boys in the valley which was out of print and last year, Stephen King crowed about it on Twitter, and people have been like ravenously waiting this re-release. So those two books came in this week, and I'm like, I have to read this friggin' out of sight thing because I have a podcast on Sunday. But now I'm like, okay, good, I can read these books again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it just, just a little nod. So, all right, my friends, last chance for a last comment on Out of Sight. I'll take boobs for two thousand, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said that for Elmore Leonard. Yes. She boobed boobily. She boobed boobily. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate 
every I appreciate everyone's discussion. Thank you so much for being here, Nick and Lackey and Morgan, and thank you for the recommendation, Heather. Um, and uh, we hope that you will join us next month when we discuss whatever it is we discuss because we haven't picked yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, hope to see you again. Thanks for listening. I'm waving goodbye. Copyright 2023 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcast.com.